1: To him. I know. I just thought since you were leaving. Is it wrong to want to say goodbye to my sister?
2: You know I'd bring you if I could. Set ruined things with a bunch of lies, Jess. I'm just trying to, to apologize. Why would I apologize for being a productive member of society? Oh, there's a girl I know. I'm just saying, at some point, you have to take responsibility for your choices. Coming from someone who's never
1: had to make any? That's not fair. Your college wasn't paid for? Dad didn't leave you the business? What, and he should have left
2: it to you? You're a criminal, June. I've
1: made mistakes. And I'm glad you recognize that. But they don't want mistakes in the new world.
0: Hey, everybody. I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Lost in Space.
2: Today, we'll be covering the third episode from Lost in Space titled Infestation.
0: Oof, infestation in more ways than one. Uh-huh. <laughs> but before we jump into the episode, first a word from this week's sponsor, BZRK Audio.
2: Oh, do you need to infest your car with some amazing audio <laughs> sounds? Well, our sponsor, BZRK Audio, has just the thing for you. They've got some amazing tweeters that are great to upgrade to your stock speakers, and they kind of extend your mid-range response, and it adds clarity and detail to voice, string, horns, and more. Uh, BZRK Audio is a pretty awesome company. It's a smaller company. You can find them on Amazon and eBay, or you can go to bzrkaudio.com. And remember, when you go to BZRK Audio, you go berserk!
0: Go berserk. Thanks, BZRK Audio. Yeah, thanks, guys. Awesome. Okay, so just quick thoughts. What did you think of this week's episode? Thumbs up, thumbs down.
2: I think it's a thumbs up. Um, I mean it kind of really felt again, it feels like these are the way I've been explaining this whole T V series, it's it has a feel of like a fifties or sixties, you know, sci-fi TV show, but with better graphics and better budget. So you know it had me invested, had me interested. Um, I wouldn't say, uh, the previous episode, I was like, Oh, I really want to watch the third one. Mm-hmm. With this one, I was like, Okay, like, kind of ended, was kind of self contained. You know, I don't feel like I need to hurry up and jump on episode four. Uh, yep. but definitely, a, definitely a good episode.
0: I agree. It, I, I really like this one because we did get some more info about Dr. Smith, kind of got or. I always use my little finger quotes, uh, Dr. Smith, <laughs> or nobody can see that except for me and Sean. It's um,
2: so like you have but, to do a question mark at the end, Dr.
0: Smith? Dr. Smith, yes. Um, So yeah, I like that we got a little bit more story, got to see more of the family dynamic and uh, how they all work together or maybe don't work so well together. So I really like this episode and I'm like you, even though it was a really good episode, it wasn't leaving me on a cliffhanger or anything, but definitely I'm still enjoying the story and seeing what happens next. So with that being said, let's jump into our top five and I'll get us started this week. My number five, I'm just going to jump right into it. And my number five is June. So (laughs) that's... That is the name of this fake Dr. Smith that we have uh, gotten to know uh, a little bit about in the last couple episodes, not knowing too much, but we definitely got uh, some more insight into her story and where she came from. And I I thought it was interesting that we got Selma Blair. I didn't know Selma Blair. Oh, yeah. Wasn't that kind of cool? Uh-huh. I was like, I remember, because you didn't see her straight up. You kind of just got that side view when you see them sitting um, on the couches facing each other. You just kind of got that side view. And I'm like, gosh, she looks kind of familiar. And then they showed her face. I was like, holy shit, it's Selma <laughs> Blair. Um, so that was kind of cool because she's, she's, you know, a, a, a big star. Um, so we get Soma Blair. She's uh, You get the feel she's the good sister. And uh, June is the screw-up. <laughs> <So laughs> but I thought, you know... Uh, clearly she doesn't make good choices. She, you know, June, I'm talking about, uh, you can tell she looks quite erratic. Her hair is an absolute mess. She looks almost homeless.
2: Yeah, that's know. the notes I have. Uh, yeah. but, but is she actually homeless? That's my question.
0: <sighs> I don't know. I don't know if she's clearly she's, I mean, I don't know if she's getting any kind of money from the family, but clearly not the same kind of money her sister has. Her sister looks like she's doing pretty well for herself. You know, seems to be a nice house and and probably a nice car, nice clothes. Um, Yeah, she looked homeless. I don't know if she was um, or if she's barely getting by. Um, You can tell she's been in and out of trouble according to the exchange um, that her and her sister were having, that's for sure. And um, I thought, okay, so yeah, she's she's a little unhinged, made some bad choices, but um, she made quite a leap. I mean, if she was like a thief, you know, maybe running some scams and... Then she went from that to, like, she offed some people. Like, we saw what she did to the real Dr. Smith in the mm-hmm. first episode. We saw what she did in this episode, the poor guy going through the hatch. And you know, I mean, it's like, that's quite an escalation, in my opinion, from being a thief. Well, um. Mine.
2: So this kind of ties into my number three, but, but to tie it into that, like you you saw with her sister, she didn't kill her sister. She just poisoned her mm-hmm. and kind of trapped her. Um,
0: that's all. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's it. Uh, the uh, The mechanic that she met up, she didn't kill him technically. She kind of left him on her own, on his own, but she didn't yeah. kill him. Uh, and then I know the real Dr. Smith, she just didn't help too. So she kind of left him alone. Mm-hmm. Um the guy that uh, was, I guess, boning her sister. It seemed.
0: <laughs> yep. Um,
2: I mean, you can make an argument that she technically didn't kill him; she just didn't save him. Yeah. You know what you could say. You know, that's very much like from the dark and, or from Batman Begins. You know, it's like, oh, you're very, you, know, you Christian Bale. Like, I don't have to save you. Yeah. Uh, but so I mean, I, I kind of wonder if that's like her line. Or she's not going to actually kill somebody, but she's definitely going to do all she can to save herself. She's um,
0: definitely out for number one here.
2: Oh, yeah. And like you are talking, like in the beginning, she kind of looks like a train wreck. And I kind of wonder, like, is this a facade? Is this something she's put on? Because she knows her sister's going on this trip.
1: Mm-hmm. She
2: obviously planned that she's going to take over. And, you know, her sister explains like, hey, you, you know, you've, you, you're have you kind of the screw-up of the family. You've been to jail. Well, has she been to jail because she's, you know... Uh, I guess what they call it, where you're a, a scam artist. She's a scam artist. Mm-hmm. So that's what she does. You know, she goes into the uh, the bar with the the cello or the the violin and has a partner that you know pulls the five hundred dollar <laughs> violin trick. Uh, if nobody's familiar with that, uh, American Gods books explains it. Um, not sure if the TV show does or not.
0: I don't know if I remember that from the first season. Okay. We'll see if they did it in the second season.
2: Yeah, it's a vague idea of like a guy walks in with like a $25 cello and he has a partner that comes in. This isn't spoiling anything. This is like a known um, like scam. And like you basically talk somebody into giving you like 500 bucks for a, che- for a violin that somebody else is like talking them into thinking it's worth like thousands.
1: Uh-huh. And so you have
2: a $25 cello that you get 500 bucks for and it's... The, the the scam is two guys basically drive from town to town with a trunk full of these $25 violins <laughs> and going to each bar getting 500 <laughs> bucks for them
0: I think I've seen not not like personally seen it but on other TV shows maybe like with coins they think it, there's like this valuable mm, yeah, coin or something and it's really you know just worth a couple bucks and they make them think it's worth hundreds and guys got to unload it so he unloads it super cheap and you know, Which, they just I mean,
2: that—that's scam artist stuff. Like, I, and it's always kind of like you know, things are worth just as much as anybody wants to pay for it.
0: Mm-hmm. If
2: you—if you look on eBay, there's always like, hey, this beanie baby that you had when you were eight worth ten thousand dollars. <laughs> and you look oh and there's gosh. like fifteen of them for ten thousand dollars, and like two for six bucks.
0: Beanie babies, gosh! I'm oh. so glad I didn't get wrapped up in that.
2: I got a few, like we didn't go crazy. Like we weren't the family that's like, Hey, we're investing our 401ks into beanie
0: babies. Right. Like your whole house is like uh. in decor of beanie babies and nobody can touch them. My kid did have a couple beanie babies, but they were, you know, she played with them. They were on her bed. They did not, they were not pristine condition cause she actually used them. But, um, yeah, boy, beanie babies. Wasn't that crazy? Yeah, I agree. I just, yeah, she she's a hot mess. And again, I don't know how much of that was a facade. Did she dress more like that and look more like that because she wanted her sister's sympathy maybe? But she she clearly kind of had her intentions pretty clear. She knew where she was going in that conversation with her sister because she had her drug or her, her drink was already drugged yeah. up. So regardless of what was happening, she was walking out of there knowing exactly what she was going to do. This person is a master manipulator, as oh, we yeah, see yeah. throughout the rest of the episode and that I'm sure we'll get more into and, and break down um, and how she is v- very clever. She might be a complete screw-up. She might be a thief and a scam artist, but she is smart and she knows people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably why she... I don't know how successful she was at thievery and, um, is that a word thievery? Um, <laughs> and, and scamming people, but she was really great at reading people and getting to the heart of what makes, you know, getting to know the people and what makes them tick. So that's my number five is June as we finally learn who she really is. So what's your number five,
2: my number five. So I, I typically watch the show on my, my laptop. So I mm-hmm. put it in my headphones and I watch it and, I don't remember seeing the actual intro to Lost in Space until I watched this episode, which I watched on just my regular TV because I was mm-hmm. home by myself. And so I don't know if I've just skipped the intro or what, or if this is the first time we've actually seen the intro, but it was really intriguing to see kind of... It was very much like a, you know space uh history lesson of you know like all these things happening you see this from time to time in um you know sci-fi shows where they look back at like the 50s 60s 70s you know
1: yes seeing
2: the the exploration of space as it technologically advances and it's really cool to see this because you know this is kind of like a not too in far in the future type of universe i mean you know yeah 50 80 years um they have ways to travel speeds uh to you know obviously gal this galaxy they can't get outside of this galaxy except through this wormhole which we see or black hole or whatever it was that caused it here um but it's really just cool to kind of see like the advancements of computers and exploration and space and it really got me thinking about like you know this day and age You know, there's really two final frontiers. There's the ocean, which we know very, very little about. Mm -hmm. And then there's space, which is, you know, like Star Trek tells us, it's the final frontier. Yep. And, uh, you know, you always kind of go back to like, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were in boats sailing across an ocean. Yes. And that's very much what these people are. You know, they're pioneers. They're, uh, you know, explorers. They're the people that get in the boats, get in the covered wagons, and they travel across rough terrain of unknownness and very, very dangerous situations. For the hope of something better or something, you could even say just different. In their case, it's actually hopefully better because you've got the event that happened that's kind of causing Earth to die, Um, which I guess they don't say if Earth is dying; it's just not really being able to sustain the population they have. Yep. Um, You know, I've I've talked to a lot of people about this too because it's always very very intriguing to me to think of this idea of like you know like right now, um, you know, if somebody says, "Hey, we're going to take you know ten thousand people into space." How many people would be like, I? will do that because most of the time, like, you have to think that they, you know, maybe they have the technology to get them where they need to go quickly. But most, like, right now, and maybe even in the near future, our technology is like, hey, you won't be going to the new planet. Your kids won't be going to the new planet. Probably your kids' kids won't be going to the new planet. You're just going to basically be, you know, living in this colony on a ship, traveling to these planets. Right. So, like your great great grandkids will be the ones to settle this new planet. Um, and that's just, you know, it, it completely boggles my mind and is, you know, a very kind of stressful situation to think that your your kids' kids will only know living on a spaceship.
0: Exactly. Oh, very good insight.
2: Um, but again, I don't know if they've shown this intro. I'm sure that it's been on the first two episodes, but just seeing it this time was the first time I actually saw the whole thing.
0: You know, and I have to uh, agree with you because normally, you know, I remember watching the first couple episodes and, you know, the coolness of Netflix where you get that nice little handy dandy skip Skip intro. intro. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We didn't get it this time. I didn't get the little skip intro. So I feel like we were supposed to see this because I, you know, I I always do watch the intro the first couple of episodes just because, you know, you always kind of see something interesting or sometimes it can be interesting. Maybe the song like with Altered Carbon, you know, we covered that and that was a really Mm -hmm. great intro. I didn't enjoy watching that because that was pretty cool but after you've seen it a couple times you do start to skip it there was no option for that and i noticed that but i was like oh well i actually kind of want to watch this little intro because i don't know about you um i mean you seem to kind of dig this kind of stuff like i do too but i'm a total space nerd like you know i don't know everything there is about and uh, to know about space and i'm certainly not smart i'm not like an in like a aerospace engineer like all of that scientific stuff, but I'm a total nerd about it. Like, I Mm -hmm. I totally dig space exploration. Like, when I was a kid, and I know I'm older than you, it's totally going to show my age, but you may have seen it pop up somewhere because it was kind of uh, campy, was the movie Space Camp.
1: Did you ever hear that?
0: uh... Oh, goodness. Well, anyone close to my age will probably remember that. It was not like a fantastic movie blockbuster it was kind of cheesy and it kind of came out at the bad time because it was supposed to be released around the same time the the challenger exploded
1: Ah, so they
0: they pushed it back the release date and then when it 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 did come out several months later after that they thought it would kind of you know everything that had happened with the challenger kind of die down it still didn't get great you know, mm-hmm. um, just because uh, of, of the events that had happened prior to that. But anyway, Space Camp I, I was just totally at my alley. I was a total space nerd. It had Leah Thompson, which, you know, she was queen of the 80s, one of the 80s queens mm-hmm. um, in the day. Um, it had Kate Capshaw, Kelly Preston, and Tate Donovan, and uh, Joaquin Phoenix was in it too. But at the time, oh, okay. he was going by Leaf. That's when he was known as Leaf Phoenix. <laughs> now, he wasn't Joaquin yet. <laughs> but anyway totally awesome i so wanted to go to space camp when i was a kid and (laughs) go to space like they did um even though it was on accident that they went to space spoiler alert Um, (laughs) oh no oh no a movie that's how many years old sorry um but anyway i totally dug it i'm like you seeing this this intro was really cool to see the history of like where we come from and how we've advanced um and i i just found it super cool It, it it got my nerdy side going that's for sure
2: yeah, interesting about uh, just and not really interesting, I guess too much. But so I was born 17 days before the Challenger exploded.
1: Mm. Um,
2: my mom said she actually watched it with me. Uh, but in my class, there's actually two kids that were born on that day.
0: <gasps> oh man!
2: Which is kind of weird. Like you'd think, like, well, one person maybe because I mean it's that year, but to have two was always just kind of odd.
0: Because mm-hmm. um,
2: you know, each year they'd celebrate their birthday and they'd be like, oh yeah, this happened eight years ago, 10 years ago. Oh Um, gosh. Yeah. It's kind of something that always, I'm not sure how many people really think about it, but since I was born that year on that month, it kind of, kind of sticks with me a little bit.
0: Absolutely. Well, I, I am old enough to remember sitting in my classroom because that was, you know, we, we would watch, that was a big deal in the day was watching the, the, um, the ships in the shuttles launch. And I remember sitting in the classroom and we watched Mm -hmm. it happen. I mean, and I mean, it was live. Nobody knew clearly what was going to happen. It was such a tragic, horrible event. Um, and to see it live on TV when you're a little kid, cause you're all excited, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're like, oh my gosh, look at it go. And like I said, I was a big old space nerd anyway. So I was really digging it. And then to see it happen in class, you know, just, it was so, so tragic and still to this day, um, such a tragic, uh, event in the, you know, NASA's history. Um, along with others that have happened. but
2: Things like that, and like in the future where we do this stuff where it's more civilians that are doing these things. Well, I guess there was a civilian on that technically.
0: Mm -hmm. There was a teacher. Yep.
2: Um, But, like, I mean, you're putting yourself, strapping yourself into rockets that are blasting you thousands (sighs) of miles into space. So, I mean, it's, you know, it takes a different kind of courage to be able to do that kind of stuff. Like I said, it's just like the person who's like, hey, I'm going to get on this boat for three months and go yeah. over this ocean with no radar, no nothing. We have no idea hope, what's
0: out there. Yeah,
2: and <laughs> hope that I land on some island and not get trapped by a kraken. No.
0: <laughs> Release the kraken. <laughs> um, sorry. But,
2: <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. my number. My number 5 is just this intro. And I guess maybe the first time we probably saw it seems like it.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um I, I don't remember it as much from I, I don't remember that standing out. I'm I'm be- my memory just, just really awful at the moment. But yeah, I like that too. Good number five. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh my number four is uh gosh, I just want to talk a little bit, but maybe not too much anyway, but I feel like it's worth pointing out, um, Maureen. Um she she's really pushing the family i think too hard and i think john has done a really great job of trying to kind of balance her a little bit it really i can kind of see i don't know i want to ask you do you think she has really high expectations or do you think that she's doing what she needs to do based on the situation that they're in
2: I have a specific note about this. So I, I kind of think that she's the type of person that like, this is a pretty like tr- uh dire situation mm-hmm. and she's the mother. So it's, I think we've talked about this before. It's it's like, and she did this in the first episode. It's, it's like when there's a tornado happening and the mom's like, Hey, you know, everybody get in the basement. Hey, let's play some games. Let's, let's distract ourselves from what's going on outside
1: mm-hmm. and just
2: kind of, you know, focus on something else. And I really feel like that's what she's doing here. And you know, the family's like, listen, mom, we need to stop. We need to get some rest. We're really tired. We're really wore out. We're like at the end of our ropes here at the moment. And I think to her, she's like, you know, one, we got to get the job done. But two, I think she's like, if I stop, you know, making myself be busy, I'm going to realize how dire the situation really is. and It's going to settle in and be real, mm-hmm. you know, because good point, Um, you know, the husband, uh, John has probably been in some pretty, you know, scary you know situations with him being in the Marines. Yeah, I, I'm not sure what Marines done in her her past, but you know, this is a pretty serious situation. I'm not sure if she's been in those type of situations or not. She, maybe she has, maybe she hasn't. Uh, but like, it could be that you know, if this moment sets in, how you know, real and how dangerous it is, because I'm sure she's just done like, um, you know, training and things like that. That it might that reality might set in. Mm -hmm. And to me, that that was why she's pushing everybody is just not to stop and actually think about it.
0: Yep, I agree. And I think that her and John, I know you can still kind of sense a little bit of that tension between them, at least in the beginning uh, of the episode. But I think that they were balancing each other nicely where he's trying to be like, you know, the kids need rest. I mean, because at the Mm -hmm. end of the day. I mean, besides her and John, well, now they have Dr. Smith, but the rest of the crew, they're all kids. I don't know how old Judy is supposed to be. I know she's the oldest, but I don't know that we're ever really given clear ages of the kids, but they're all kids Mm -hmm. and everybody's been through this traumatic situation. You haven't had time to sit and think about what's happening or even rest because it's been kind of one event and one thing after another that they're having to deal with. You know, they, they crashed and they're lost. Their spaceship is underwater. Uh, Judy gets trapped in the ice. Will is missing. Uh, Marine is is hurt. And, you know, He's they've got to deal he with her injury. <laughs> then the big robot shows up. Is he friendly? Is he going to fry us all as we're lying here freezing to death? Um, it's just been one thing after another. And I know that's the whole um, premise of the show is, is constant action and stuff happening. Um, but I think that, you know, is she, I think it was good that John kind of, Kind of brought her around and was like, hey, you know, let's take a minute and chill out. I think that he, you know, was doing really great as far as like, you know, trying to bring it to her attention that Judy, you know, is probably, you know, needs a little bit more of a break. Uh, You could see her PTSD again, you know, was kind of coming Mm up. And um, so I just, I just kind of wondered that. I just think that she was so focused. I can kind of see it both ways. I can see where she's thinking, you know, we got to fix this, but yet, John's like, we need to rest. And all the kids were like, yeah, we could kind of use a little bit of a nap. I bet they haven't really slept well since they (laughs) crashed on the planet. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting. I think I'm kind of... As a mom, probably guilty of some of the same things that um, she is as well. You just, you know, you're like, we have a, a thing to solve, we have something to do. Let's just do it and get it done. And everybody just needs to focus into it. And you kind of forget that not everybody works like you. Mm-hmm. So it's something I think we all, not just as people, but sometimes as moms or as parents, need to keep in mind. So just want to kind of talk about her for a minute. So what's well, your really, number four? That's really oh,
2: sorry. tough. In this, oh, I was going to say it's really tough in the situation because not only are you a family unit, and you're you're a Parent, but now you're mm-hmm. a leader and kind of the, you know, executive of this mini, you know uh group of people, right? You know, it's almost like w- at some point the family's got to take you know the 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 backseat to being able to execute the things you need to do, and vice versa, and that's going to be a really tough balance. um
0: Absolutely. How do you put on that mom hat versus the? Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know that she's technically a captain, but I'm her role is very similar like you said she's in charge so when do you switch those hats you know maybe she needed to put that mom hat on a little bit and remember those are her kids and mm. but that's a dangerous an
2: thing too because you put that mom hat on like <laughs> you know could you be putting your kids in danger it's, it's exactly it's a tough, tough tough thing
0: it's true you got yeah then put on the other hat and realize that you know what everybody's been through the training and mm. we need to get our shit together and do what we got to do so yep, you're right find that balance so what's your number four
2: all right, so my number four—we've uh, talked about it a little bit—and I titled it "Ice Shark?" Question mark. <laughs> ice Snake? Question mark. Uh, ends up being some ice eels. So, you know, we see uh, John down, and f- one thing, too, is like so they get into this water. Mm-hmm. in the bottom of the cabin and just regular jeans you know no 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 like you know thermal gear or anything
0: oh no that wet water, suit, no protection
2: <laughs> yeah that water had to be like titanic cold water you know like i know the, the they're robot, in a
0: glacier it's glacier yeah. water
2: <laughs> the robot i know melted a lot of it but that you know have you ever had ice melt like when it melts it's still cold it's still like 34 degrees Yes. Um, so I was kind of curious about that. But you see the the little eel flips. So this is kind of like a, a monster of the week type episode is the feel I got for it. And the monster of the week was these eels. Uh, let's see if I can get some of my good, good notes for this thing. So. Oh, yeah.
0: Let's do um,
2: it. This whole time, like, I started I'm like, okay, well, are these ice sharks? Like, you know, I wanted to see ice sharks. As much as I'm scared of sharks, <laughs> I wanted to see some damn ice <laughs> sharks in this episode. Yes. Uh, but no, no ice sharks, unfortunately. So then we start kind of getting an idea that these are you know some kind of snake or eel. Uh, so my first note was oh shit, ice shark, <laughs> and then we start to see some more. than I t- I wrote in oh shit, you know, <laughs> ice snake. Um, I thought I thought they did a great part in here because it like again it's very much like monster horror movie type of episode where yeah, um, Judy is drawing the uh, smiling face in the frost, mm-hmm. and as she turns away, we see something swim by it, you know, and kind of. Discolor it to though like, oh shit, there's something out there. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So then, yeah, it's like, oh shit, not ice sharks, ice snakes. But then we learned that these things are eels. Oh, and uh, not much you know, better. <laughs> yeah, not really. They were ugly looking buggers too. Yes. Um. You know, this is one of those things they pull from like the bottom of the ocean. You're like, oh god, this is why water scares me.
0: Yeah, this is why some some unknown is better. Let's just yeah. leave it out there. <laughs>
2: Uh, and it's funny, this is their first uh, life form outside of the robot that they see. So it's like their first organic life form is this gross-looking eel thing.
0: Yeah, that wants to eat all their fuel.
2: Yeah, and so it's eating fuel because it's some kind of like methane hydrate type of thing. So somehow it's broken, which, you know, again, this is why I feel like this was a 50s or 60s type of episode because, you know, everything has plot holes with this. It's like, okay, well, how'd they get into the fuel? Like, there has to be a crack, so then your fuel's got to be leaking. Yeah. Um, but you just kind of have to take it for what it is, which is completely fine with me. Like they're not trying to sell this as like a, you know, a serious shell. Like it, it's a, it's lost in space, but in 2018. Right. Um, so they're eating the primary fuel. And once the main reserves are gone, you're going to get the um, uh, reserves that will fill it up. So it's kind of a, you know, a chaotic type of situation. And it's like the chaotic event of the week, you know, the monster of the week, kind of like what I said a little bit earlier. But um, the other item I'll put in there is the, when you see penny walking around and throwing salt all over the place <laughs> and so her mom good. references i guess some kid that she hung out with and <laughs> you know she's like well you know i learned it from so-and-so and it's like you told me not to hang out with that kid because he was weird um i think her mom's only jab is like yeah well i bet he didn't make the uh, cut for the trip essentially
0: right that's hilarious yeah, I love that. that. That's totally what I would have been doing, too. Definitely uh, natural protection there. But yeah, the salt thing was really great. Uh, Penny, I love her, this comic relief, you know, her sarcastic comments in the comic relief. She's great.
2: Yeah, it's, it's again, sometimes I have trouble with this show knowing, like, because sometimes it feels like it's trying to be really, really serious. Mm-hmm. But then other times it's a little bit more, uh, like, comedic, like this part, but...
0: Yeah, it had it had well because John he was like wrestling the eel, like he had a hold of it and he's communicating (laughs) with him when he's out in the hallway and he's like wrestling around, then it like drop kicks him to like the floor or something. And you could see he's struggling with it. I thought that was really funny,
2: waiting for that crocky.
0: It's the feisty one, (laughs) yeah.
2: Ain't you a beauty?
0: (laughs) Oh, crikey! (laughs) I can't do a freaking accent, but (laughs) you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I have. But that's that's a really great segue into my number three. So I'll just chime in with a couple of notes that I have about that from my number three. Is it, it also? Yeah, it was super creepy, and I think they they had a little bit of like. Because everybody does it now. That J- since Jaws did it, however many years mm, yeah, ago, no. I love Jaws so much. I could watch that movie a gazillion times and never, never gets old. But you know that whole element that made the shark more scary was you never saw the shark. Yep,
2: you only saw like the fin, like a little bit of the fin,
0: exactly. You'd see the point of view from the shark, but you never saw the shark. You saw, you know, maybe some waves or something from the shark. uh, And that's what just made it more scary is because you didn't show it, at least more towards the end. Of course, when we got the you need a bigger boat, uh, best line ever. Um, (laughs) So they kind of tried to do the same thing was just kind of show this element of something that was scary. You didn't know what it was. You couldn't quite see it. You could see hints of it. um, And it wasn't great. And um, it was definitely a threat. Um, I think it reminded me also a little bit of that scene in Star Wars when Han, Leia, Chewie, and Luke. Oh
2: yeah, good call. Yeah,
0: we're in that garbage chute, and that this one was way bigger. I feel from Star in Star Wars than this one in Lost in Space, but it reminded me very much of when they were in the water and they thought they were already, you know, screws so They're like, oh shit, we're stuck in this garbage chute. How do we get out? Um, and now you got something that's you know trying to drown you in the water. So it reminded me of that. Um, from Star Wars. And then, just as a reminder, that it just goes to show nowhere is safe. Here you are, you're on a spaceship. This should be tightly sealed, but nope, you got some creepy, weird creatures getting in there trying to take you out. And I'm just saying, like you said, if you thought it was like an ice shark or something, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking of sharks and rivers, swimming pools, or creepy crawlies. Nowhere is safe. This is why I'm a paranoid weirdo because. <laughs>
2: situations why, like this you know when you go skinny dipping in that pool if you live in the southern mm-hmm. part of the united states you gotta flip on those pool lights just That's double right. check.
0: look look for those gators man yeah. absolutely no place is safe folks always always do a, a double check it might ruin the mood but <laughs> you're <laughs> gonna be glad you did <laughs> oh that was really good um well, that was my number three was this infestation uh, with this eel creature, and we, we've we pretty much talked about it. So let's jump into your number three. Okay. Uh, my
2: number three we touched on a little bit, but it's just Dr. Smith. Um, so I'm trying to th- – I'll look through some and I'll see what else I could add to it. But uh, um, one of the things is that she's in the, the living room with her sister. We see – I don't know if you noticed in the back of the window it was all foggy. Yep. So definitely the event there uh, – you know has crossed into there. So we know this is like a very global thing that has happened. Yeah. Um oh, I thought it was so uh very telling of her character. So as her sister's like realizing like, "Oh shit, you poisoned me."
1: Mhm.
0: Uh
2: Dr. Smith kind of like wafts her hand like in a "All right, you're poisoned. Come on, pass out. Hurry up and pass out like, I, you know, I've got shit to do. Pass out."
0: I know.
2: And I don't know I don't know if that was in the script or even if it was in the script. Like that is a very Great little tidbit, I thought for a character. Yes, because it, it, you know, even though it's her sister, she's just essentially like, "Hey, d- fucking pass out." We got, we got. Get I on got with it. To do.
0: <laughs> I, gotta, I got, I got, I got to jump on this ship here. <laughs> it's it's going to be <laughs> taken off soon. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah, she she played that part pretty well. Like, I kind of feel like she was playing the the con artist in that situation. Like, she really wasn't a train wreck. Like, she's been the jail, I assume. Mm-hmm. Um, but she kind of played herself up being a little bit more vulnerable than she was
0: it, it, yeah um, i don't know if she yeah i don't know if she was playing it more vulnerable or if she ha- i mean she didn't seem to have too much feeling this was her sister, This was family this isn't just anyone off the street she's pulling a con on oh yeah um, and
2: her her sister was like hey i want you to have everything i own you know, yeah i take have my everything car, i, I have own my
0: house have my clothes it's all oh, yours your
2: clothes i can i can be you
0: yeah, it's and like, then her sister um, gave her that look like, like what? You bitch. <laughs> <laughs> then she kind of knew. Yeah. Oh. Um, I,
2: again, she plays on being a psychologist and she plays on, uh, I think, Maureen a little bit to be like, oh, well, I specialize in family psychology.
0: That was such a funny line. She's like, yeah, I specialize in family therapy. And Maureen says, oh, well, you've come to the right place.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but again, like, she knows how to read people, she knows how to read the situation. Um, very creepy the night when she was in the, the Jupiter 2 where she's going and doing a recon on the family.
0: Oh my word, yeah. So
2: she goes into, you know, uh Penny's room and looks over her phone. She goes into Will's room and is looking over his drawings and things like that. So, you know, she's kind of getting that leverage, you know, so that she can kind of play on maybe her being a psychologist.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. That's so good. Another,
2: another interesting note. So she's sitting in the the kitchen area, I'll call it. Mm-hmm. and will comes in and gets something and she i think she realizes that he's had a bad dream but again i think she's trying to gauge him to to understand how much he knows and trying to see if you know is she safe or you know does she need to do something to save herself i think that's what she was gauging at that point
0: right like she is she afraid the robot maybe knows something and can expose her for who she is because uh, i don't think the robot clearly was a part of uh, the crew or it had anything to do with the resolute it looks like that the robot just for some reason attacked the resolute. I, I'm guessing we'll probably get more story as the season continues into that, and that story becomes exposed. But I'm wondering if she's worried about the robot knowing who she really is, or saw what she did because it yeah. seemed to be like kind of down the hall as she's stealing the real Doctor Smith's like jacket to try to pass <laughs> off. Is and it's like, oh well, sorry about your luck, dude. Bye, uh, and leaves this guy to die. Um, and the robot's like down the hall. If 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 if. It has somehow exposed her to Will, and maybe trying to find out what Will knows, maybe from communicating with the robot, maybe. That's well, the I just I get that. from
2: from her and the robot is a is like a oh well, I know that you know that I know that you know what I did, and it <laughs> yeah. goes to both of them. Um, the last note I have on uh, Doctor Smith is: Did you get like some like sexual tension between her and Marine? Uh, no. <laughs> When they were talking about, and maybe this was just my mood at the moment, or maybe it's like, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, lost in space. <laughs> I want to be John walking like, oh, what's up, ladies? Let's do some science. But the way they were talking and looking at each other, like I, it's like it's it was kind of flirtatious and kind of like, you know, a lot of like staring into each other's eyes a little bit longer than probably you needed to. And then this is this is just my crude humor. So as Maureen is trying to get the uh, engine thing put back in, we see who comes to the rescue, Dr. Smith, and they both, you know, <laughs> shove it in together.
0: Oh, Sean. Oh my goodness. Oh,
2: Maureen, we're lost in space.
0: Oh, this is going down a very bad road right now.
2: <laughs> Wait, come on this, on, this
0: is this is a family <laughs> show. <laughs> Wait, did not- you watch
2: Lost in Space on Pornhub or Netflix? Which one did you watch? I was going to
0: say, this is not Pornhub. This is Netflix. This is a family show. Let's keep this PG. Oh, my goodness. Episode
2: eight, like they're going be like, to be like, oh, kissing and be like, I knew it.
0: Oh, my goodness. I hope we don't have anyone under 18 listening to this right now. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. I, I maybe other people, hey folks, did anyone else um relate to what Sean just mentioned? If, if you if you picked up on that, let us know. Um we're just going to let Sean must have been in a, a particular type of mood when he was watching this episode. <laughs> so, moving on. Um yeah, good notes, good notes. Um number 2 is I I just wanted to kind of mention we're seeing more of Judy and her PTSD and we definitely got to see more of her struggles and, you know, Maureen thinks that she's going to be fine. She's going to pull through John. Of course, you know, I already mentioned a little bit about their dynamic and, you know, how he's saying, Hey, let's give him a break. And I really like how he was telling her, you know, like, Hey, I'm here. If I'm going to be here, let me be here because she's kind of railroads him and stuff. Um, with their dynamic and stuff that they have. But I'm wondering, do you think that her struggle that she's having, I mean, we saw some of it in this situation where you really thought she was going to kind of cave when she's trapped under those, what were they, like those shelf things in the cargo hold uh, where she was, uh, where that kind of came into play. She came, she came she came, out of it okay, but I'm wondering if we're still going to see some effects of that. And if you think that this is going to play out more um, in a few more episodes, that PTSD she's going to maybe freeze up, do you think she's going to, you know, if are we going to see more of that?
2: I mean, these past two episodes, we've kind of seen her freeze up a little bit. You know, she wasn't quick to to jump to any, um, like, you know, what do you like cowboying it with the the spaceship. Mm-hmm. You know, it took Penny to do that this episode she didn't freeze up i think in any dire situations but you could see her kind of flashing back to it yeah um, and I, th- I, th- I think that's going to be her struggle i mean this is a situation again where somebody who probably has only been through training um is always kind of everything's always come out good for them mm-hmm. and then they had a situation where they came you know maybe you know minutes away from death and by a stroke of luck survived and you know you kind of have to you know wonder if that's gonna it's definitely got to change her i think there's no way to say that it's not going to change her right maybe in a tv world she can come back from that and be like oh well i'm going to jump back into this water and save the day but you know i think a real person that'd be really really tough to overcome and jump back into that freezing water when you know what happened before
0: No kidding. Uh, What a claustrophobic situation. I know it would certainly get to me because I do have a a, a fear of like small spaces like that and didn't know that you were trapped. And how close she was to death, like she was out of air gasping for air when they finally were able to pull her up. So quite a a situation and she still is a very young person. Um, I really liked also how John was the one that was reaching out to her and trying to relate to her a little bit. Like, Hey, I know it doesn't just mess with your body. It messes with your mind and he's a soldier. So, yeah. and you know, we know soldiers, many, many soldiers do suffer from PTSD from all of the horrible and traumatic situations that they have to witness things that they go through and things that happen to them during their deployments and in their active duty. Um, so he can clearly relate to that and try to understand. I like how, you know, it, it kind of switch roles a little bit. I think Maureen is kind of more of the, like she's the matriarch of the family and she's definitely, you know, seems to be, Almost taking more of a masculine role in the family and he is the one that's like reaching out to her and, you know, trying to have a heart to heart with her. She's not quite receptive to it, but, you know, he tries to reach out and he's like, okay, well then just do what you got to do and tries to at least kind of communicate to her that he's, he's there for her and he understands her struggle and that it's okay you know, that she feels that way. She doesn't have to just brush it under the rug. She can, it's okay for her to to have those feelings and to work through it and stuff. So I really like that, how we get that from the dad. And the dad can be the emotional one, the sensitive one, you know, um, in, in this in this particular family. And I like that. I really like, um, I can't think of the, the actor's name, but John, um, the character, I like His, him. His
2: uh, name's Toby Stevens?
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Good memory, dude. I gotta write this shit down.
2: Oh, IMDB yeah.
0: all the oh. <laughs> <laughs> I look it up and I know it, but I don't remember it whenever I'm sitting here behind this, this microphone. I'm like, gosh, I see it and I know it, but my brain goes completely blank. So that's my number two is just Judy and her PTSD, how it was in this episode and what we saw her go through, and if we will continue to see that, if it's going to be more of a situation where she's not going to be able to come through. So, nice.
2: Good number two. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So my number two, I've just kind of – one wanted to explore the idea of the robot versus Dr. Smith. So I kind of mentioned it earlier mm-hmm. the I know that you know that I know type of situation. Uh, there was a situation where they were talking about Dr. Smith when she wasn't in the room. And the robot kind of looked up like, mm, I know I've got some shit on this lady. Yeah. Like, you guys, you guys want to know what this chick did? Like, I've got the dirt. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, you know, how much he knows. And then it goes back to this uh, whole scenario of the 3D printer. Yes. So last episode, John tried to 3D print a gun for protection from, you know, they're going into this world where they don't know what's out there. They got this robot. They don't know what he does. So trying to get and he's a soldier. So he knows how to use it. So he needed he thought they needed some kind of protection. Well, come to find out somebody did make a gun and it ends up being this robot and it goes to give it to Will. And my question, which is kind of tied into this, is did the robot make the gun to protect Will and the family from Dr. Smith or from the robot?
0: Oh, very good question, Sean. That, that, I hadn't even dug that deep. I yeah, like that. he
2: gives it to him. It's just Danger Will Robinson, that's all he can say. And it's like, okay, well, you know, and, and from Will's perspective, I'm guessing he's probably thinking right away that it's the robot. He's like, you know, you're not this way anymore. Mm-hmm. And it just sparked my mind. It's like, you know, is the robot concerned for, what Dr. Smith can do or what he can do, because we know this robot's super powerful. He took out a whole ship of people, or at least something like him did.
0: Right, and he now remembers what he did. It's like he had some sort of... I don't know that robots or AI can experience amnesia, but I'm gonna for the sake of argument, call it amnesia until <laughs> his he was fragmented, yeah, fragmented um there you go, see there's a tech coming out a tech guy coming <laughs> out in you um but when he got to a ship and touched a ship, it's like it all came back, and he remembered that I mean, and will through some sort of memory sharing that he did with him saw it as well but it's like he now remembers so yeah that's a really good point is he protecting him from dr smith or from himself when he realizes hey i'm a bad robot and uh you know i don't trust myself you need to protect yourself in case i go bad again like he doesn't trust that's a really good question oh i like that robot i don't want him to be bad yeah he's a sexy robot (laughs) <laughs> is that in the news no it's not in the news it's just out on social media go out there and look for people follow our twitter for crying out loud um, yeah if, if you're of
2: age let me know I know a very good video I can send
0: you <laughs> oh no Sean this is going all kinds of bad we gotta steer this back onto a family show <laughs> this is not black mirror um, <laughs> that's a really good question I like that very much is that all, all that you had to say about your yep. number one? Uh,
2: that's all I have for my number two. So what do you have oh, for number your number one?
0: Number one. Sorry, that was your number two. I apologize. So number one, we've talked a little bit about it already, but it's the art of manipulation. And yeah. oh, that this Dr. Smith that we have, you mentioned already she was creeping on Penny going through her phone. Uh, clearly looking like she's gathering some information from them. So, yeah, so she can learn their weaknesses or their strengths and learn to manipulate them. I mean, of course, the more information that you have. Um, she knows what she's doing. She was creeping on Will. Ugh, just mm-hmm. Parker Posey's Which, doing such a great job.
2: You know, first off, like, I don't know if maybe because they're, she's a female, they're kind of like, oh, it's a female, so they don't put up any red flags, but... Mm-hmm. I'm the kind of person when it's not like even family members and stuff like that as as you know how things go or at least the things you hear about like I'm always like super like if anybody's staying at my house that I don't know I will be the first one to be like hey my kid's sleeping in our room like yeah. I know he typically doesn't but I'm having him sleep in my room
0: yes it's just
2: a safety measure type thing and like this situation is like I feel like that's the same thing I would do here like I could not sleep if I just picked up this random person and now they are in essentially your house. Mm-hmm. And I think Maureen kind of uses, and this is interesting actually, now that I think about it, she uses the idea of like, well, she passed all the tests to make it on this, you know, this uh, what what they call the whole experiment they're on? Um, the I told you the,
0: the, this, this mission, yeah, I don't know what it is.
2: But whatever she had to pass some tests to be on the Resolute, right? So mm-hmm. Maureen uses that as like, oh, well, if she did that, she has to be okay, right?
0: Yeah. But talk she, about blind
2: trust. <laughs> oh, but she faked Will's results to get him on this show.
1: True.
0: So
2: if anybody should be like, you know, not using that as an excuse, she should be the person to do that.
0: She should be. She faked it she did fake it. That's true. That's a very good point. I have that in my notes, at least as far as Dr. Smith, you know, because they're, they have this blind trust in her thinking that, you know, she must have passed whatever screening processes and testing and training to be able to, to be qualified to be on the resolute. Um, but yeah, not thinking that, there might be other people that have faked their way on Mm -hmm. like she faked wills. So that's a really good point. You're going deep this week, Sean, you're going too deep for me.
2: It's, it's all. So (laughs) last couple episodes, I haven't been drinking. So I did a shot of, you know, something and I've got a nice Alaskan amber beer. (laughs) I won't remember anything I said, but I'm sure it'll be amazing.
0: <laughs> I should have had more to drink then because I'm certainly slacking in the deep thought process. That's really good. I like that. See,
2: it's the yin and the yang. So you get deep thoughts, but then you also get inappropriate thoughts. Then so we get the
0: inappropriate. You got to
2: get one and the other.
0: That's okay. We can we can take it. <laughs> yeah, so I really thought it was – I thought Parker Posey did a really great job. She She can pull off this, oh, you can trust me – you can talk to me because you can see not only is she doing all this creepy stuff while they're sleeping and when they don't know it but she's also spending time with a couple of them like she goes and she spends some time with Will hey do you have a bad dream do you want to talk to me about it it's okay and she she tries to really get him to open up by using a very uh, well known technique by I'll share something with you so it mm. will get you to open up you know she's like well hey don't tell anyone but you know I have bad dreams sometimes too and so she's trying to form this bond with him, try to get him to open up. She does the same with Maureen. You know, when they're fixing those engines and stuff, she's talking to her, yep. getting her to open up. We find out a little bit about her. She was a farm girl, you know, from a small town and worked, you know, look where she is today. So you can really see her master manipulation at play and trying to get yep. to know the family, get them to open up. Oh, you can trust me. I'm just a family therapist and I'm just such here a, to help. And I know. a great
2: scene with Maureen where she's like, oh, when I was in college. <laughs> I was in a sorority too.
0: No, no, no. (laughs) No, back on track, back on track. Um, And I was really starting to think, you know, it really made me question her intentions. Because it seemed like she really wanted to help the family. But then you see her doing like her bug out bag. You know, Mm -hmm. she's trying to, you know, uh, oh, well, this place is going down. I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm going to jump on one of those, you know, I'm going to get myself out of here. And you can see her packing up that. Bag. Right
2: away when she learned, like, Maureen tells her, like, hey, this can only, like, fit two people. Mm-hmm. Um, She's like, oh, well, it can fit one comfortably, so I'm out. oh <laughs> uh, If she didn't get trapped in that, you know, that closet with Will, I'm pretty sure she would have been gone.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It, things definitely would have been a lot different. And it changed there at the end because it looks like she was getting ready to bolt and then thought better oh, of it. Yeah. So it's kind of... You know, she's not quite good, but it kind of makes you just wonder why she changed her mind.
2: Yeah, and I, uh, I always feel like people like that, and and the Robinsons don't see that yet. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, those people who are just like all about themselves, you know, at at the moment, if you know, if their life or their situation, it best suits them to do something against all the other people, they're going to take that opportunity.
0: Absolutely. So that that was it for my number 1. I just really enjoy Parker Posey and how she's portraying this character and I'm I'm totally buying it. She's doing a great mm. job in this master manipulation. I look forward to seeing uh more episodes and how that plays out with the family and such. So
2: it's yeah, number just one. To, just to touch oh. a little bit on that, uh, where you're talking about Parker Posey, like yes. I think it's a really genius idea to make Dr. Smith... Because I haven't seen any of the other interpretations of uh, Lost in Space, but
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know, I can see a dude being a little bit more creepy in this situation where Parker Posey, I think, becomes a more full character as a Dr. Smith.
0: Yes. Um, like if
2: it was a guy, I think you would just get different vibes than you do from her, if that makes sense.
0: It does. I, I think... Women can sometimes, not always, and I hate to to get too, you know, get too gender specific, but I think sometimes women can come across as a little bit more trusting and maybe mm. not as intimidating. So maybe they're, that's why they're so able, you know, they're just able to put that blind faith in her and just be like, well, she's, she's one of us, you know? Yeah. Um, And, you know, she's not so scary because she's a female, not a male where, where men could be considered more dangerous, I guess. mm but um Gary Oldman played the Dr. Smith in the movie which the movie Mm. was crap but um Gary Oldman was great because I love Gary Oldman (laughs) and and he he plays that type of role really really well and I really liked him in that role he was the best part of the movie for me everything else kind of stunk um but I enjoyed it because of Gary Oldman I could watch him do anything so what's your number one
2: all right. So my number one, uh, I think it just kind of touched my heart a little bit. And it is the fact that John was a just turned on his badass dad mode. Yeah. This episode. So, you know, not only, you know, we see him in the water and we see the cliche of, like you said, the jaws coming out of the water and taking him down. You're like, oh, my God. And what does he do? <laughs> he comes out with this thing that he killed with a knife uh and the other line that i loved with this is when they're like you know they don't have enough time to do what they need to do and so he starts walking away i think it was maureen's like well what are you gonna do and he like flips the knife he's like i'm gonna buy us some more time <laughs> i'm like yeah dad mode
0: <laughs> yeah he, um, he put on a soldier hat and uh oh, he's gonna did. go take care of business uh let's see
2: uh You know, he he doused himself in the fuel, which was kind of like a, you know, I'm going to sacrifice myself for my kids. Um, But the scene where he was on the the radio with all the the family members telling them to do different things and he was fighting the eel. Yep. Um, I know you haven't seen it or much of it, but – it definitely had a Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV show vibe. Oh, yeah? Like, there are multiple episodes where, like, there's kind of, like, this serious battle going on, or semi-serious battle. Mm-hmm. And there's a comedic element surrounding it. So, you mm-hmm. know, he's, like, trying to fight off this eel, and yet he's, you know, talking to his wife and talking to his daughters, telling them, you know, to do things. And it's, like, you know, uh, very much like Star Wars, too. It's, like, oh, well, all, everything's fine
0: here. Um, we well, bye. Like, <laughs> That was a good scene. I like that.
2: Uh, But yeah, I just like that we get to see John kind of turn on his badass dad mode. You know, some good comedic, good serious, and um, you get to see him fight the monsters.
0: I like it too. The show's done a really great job. That's in my notes is, you know, we kind of mentioned already the funny moments, but we've got Penny you know, kind of being the comic relief of, of the show and, with you know, some of her comments and stuff, the, the rest of the family is all serious and Penny's the one, you know, piping in. And then, you know, you've got John and, and, you know, his funny moments in the show as well. And, um, I really enjoy that. I think they're doing a really great job kind of balancing the action, the seriousness of the situation, because there, it is serious for them, but also you've got, you know, some funny moments and it's like real life, you know, when you have a, a real life family that this is the dynamic that you would expect. You've got the the smart older sister, you've got the insecure little brother who feels like he doesn't feel like he's a part of the whole family, you know, and he's kind of, you know, just trying to find his way. You've got the the middle child. Just I think Penny really plays the middle child very, very well. Uh, I think middle children I do not come from a large family but um, I think that that she's playing that really well and then of course you've got the mom and the dad so I, I think that they're doing a really great job kind of showing what a real family is is really like and they do it do it great I like it yeah John is cool you know he played um, in sp- another space show but he <laughs> played a young Clint Eastwood in the movie Space Cowboys did you oh, ever see oh. Space Cowboys
2: I remember hearing about it, but I didn't see it. That was kind of like right around the uh, um, Armageddon, like a couple of years after that, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it had Clint Eastwood in it, and I'll watch anything with Clint Eastwood because I'm a huge, huge Clint Eastwood <laughs> fan, and have been since I was a kid. But he played. They they did a flash because in, in the show, well, they're they're old, they're older, but it showed them way back when, like the space program was beginning to start, and mm-hmm. so it showed them young, and he played a young Clint Eastwood. I could see it. Yeah, he, so- he pulled it off really great.
2: So we don't really ask personal questions too much, so I figured I, I'd check with you. So are Uh-oh. you a, more of a Clint Eastwood fan or more of a John Wayne fan? Because I feel like you're, you have to be split.
0: Well, I grew up with both, but uh, definitely way more heavy on Clint Eastwood.
2: Okay. Yeah, definitely I'm, Clint Eastwood. I'm kind of split. What's interesting is um, I have t- both my grandpas. So I have one grandpa that is a total John Wayne, and then I have a grandpa who is a total Clint Eastwood like cool. whenever I think of those two characters, like I have a grandpa for both of them, mm-hmm. which was always really interesting. Like uh, my grandpa was a Clint Eastwood. Like um, there's one time he wasn't, he was getting sick, and my mom was like, "Oh, you need to go see the doctor." Yada yada. Like you know, we always talk my you know my my father in law to go. And he's like, "Oh, well, that's your father in law. I'm your father <laughs> outlaw." <laughs> <laughs> it's a total Clint Eastwood kind of line.
0: Absolutely, that's great.
2: Yeah. I love that stuff. It that, makes, me, makes me smile just thinking about it.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Good for you. Yeah, definitely lean more on the on the Clint Eastwood. I'm a bigger... I grew up with both, but um Clint Eastwood was definitely more heavy in my household And since I was a kid. And I don't care that he's like 90. He's still got he's, it going on.
2: <laughs> he's still in pretty good shape when you think he's like in his late 80s. I mean...
0: He's in great he's still shape.
2: Directing, still acting to an extent. It's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Although the last movie he did with the uh um the thirteen ten to Paris.
0: Oh um, yeah, I heard that was it.
2: Yeah, it was pretty rough. I mean Yeah.
0: That's a shame. But he yeah. usually knocks it out of the park. He usually does a, a great job. He's definitely one of the more respected directors in Hollywood where he's, you know, it's no bullshit. You know, if he's got a mm-hmm. schedule and a budget, he sticks to it. He hammers them out and does a great job, oh, you know, like doing clicks, it.
2: Like, I think they only do like three to four takes. Yeah. It's it's not one of those directors that's like, no, take 97. We got to get it just right.
0: Exactly. He's like, let's that's do this. Direct. Or we're going to we're going to pump this out and we're going to get it done. And you're just going to do it right the first time. We're yeah. not gonna. We're not gonna sit here and, and and he's not gonna pussyfoot around and let them do. Well, I wasn't quite feeling that one. Let's do it again. And I'm like, nope. Yeah. This is it. You know, we're done. So, and then of course he gave us Scott Eastwood. So of course we should owe him a huge debt of gratitude. For how old is Scott
2: Eastwood? Is Scott Eastwood my age or is he older?
0: He has got to be in his very early thirties right now. I, God, who cares how old he is, Sean? He's a, he's over eighteen, right? That's.
2: <laughs> oh, he does look like a young Clint Eastwood, which makes
0: he, he's, him, he's a born clone.
2: March twenty first, nineteen eighty six. So he's a couple months younger than me. Uh, this dude was in Suicide Squads, and I'm sitting here.
0: <laughs> what have you done with your life, Sean? You're I podcasting know. with me for crying out loud.
2: There's no female in a podcast is like, oh, well, thank Laura and John for making <laughs>
1: Sean.
0: <laughs> I'm grateful for having you. I'm grateful. Um I wouldn't have a podcast without you, Betty. <laughs> anyway, we're going off the rails here. Let's rope this back in. What is your number one? Uh, or was that, oh, that your was number my, one? That, that was
2: my number one. Awesome. Yeah. So badass, uh, badass dad mode. Okay. Um, what do you have for your notes?
0: So a couple notes. I'm going to see what I've got that we haven't already covered. You, we've already talked about the robot and the gun. I, I like that you brought that up about because I was I kind of just had the question: Was the robot really protecting? I initially thought maybe it was from the creatures on board because he throws Will in that uh, cargo hold, whatever it was that he locked him in pretty early. Um, and, but then he also, he stayed there even after the, the creatures were gone. And, it, and again, you brought up a really good point and the robot wasn't listening to him. Will kept saying, he, he always oh, yeah, listens yeah. to me. He's not listening to me. Why was he not listening to him? Because he didn't, the robot didn't trust himself around Will. That is a really, really good point. Oh, that just breaks my heart for this robot. I'm in love with this robot. Um, What other notes? I think it's interesting. I had a question as I'm sitting there watching it, watching this family and how they're dealing with the situation that they're in. Because I think even a healthy family would struggle in this situation. A good, functioning, healthy family would struggle in this chaos that they've been thrown into in this situation. But when you add the pressures and the stresses that they're under, it definitely exacerbates all the dynamics between the family and so no matter how healthy they are um, yeah
2: i mean have you taken a road trip across nine states imagine going across <laughs> nine planets
0: <laughs> that's so true that's so true we've seen uh, road trips that have broken families yeah. <laughs> think about throwing There's a um, whole series
2: on that <laughs> called national lampoons
0: <laughs> god what a great great movie um that's everything else we've already covered as far as notes what have you got uh so uh
2: I've got a couple specifics on it seemed like there's a few cliches in this episode. So mm-hmm. um we talked about the uh, pulling something under the water cliche. There was uh the air filters are being blocked cliche. Yeah. Uh I thought I had one other cliche somewhere on my notes, uh but I don't see it. But um you know, again, doesn't bother me. I mean this is again a fifties, sixties type show where everything's built around cliches. Sure. Um uh the team uh uh, I thought it was interesting when uh, Penny quickly decided to join Will to be part of the team. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because like hey, the robot's going to do all our work, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um I thought that was really really clever. Uh the the fact that no one's ever been to a bookstore. Um I'm not sure how far in the future that is, but that seems like relatively now. They it seems like bookstores kind of going like weird like you know when the the ebooks came out people are like, you know, sp- I can just do ebooks and Amazon. I don't need to go to a bookstore, but they yeah. kind of seem to be making a little bit of a comeback. Um, love I love bookstores. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, there's there's nothing better than a used bookstore. You go in, you get like 10 yes. books that you really, really want. Honestly, like you go to eBay, like that's where I bought my it book. Like I got it for like two bucks. Nice. You know, the shipping costs more than the book. Oh, um, that's a crime, see. Sean. I know. Um, and the only last item, uh, it kind of tied in a little bit to uh, a couple of my questions with the Badass John and the uh, the robot versus Miss Smith, Dr. Smith, um, was the 3D printing of the gun and how Maureen was really, really upset about that. Mm-hmm. Um, she kind of made the idea – she basically says, like, you know how I feel about weapons, which I'm kind of curious in this, like, world – um, You know, your husband's a trained Marine. He should be able to train to handle multiple types of weapons. And, you know, you're in a situation where you just ran into ice eels. Like I'm thinking like, what happens when you run into an ice bear? Like, No
0: kidding. They don't know um, what's out there.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, you could say it's like, oh, well, we shouldn't hurt them because we're on their planet. But again, like I think you would need some type of protection. And I could be wrong, but um, I'm kind of curious how that's going to play out. Mm-hmm. If it's just a if it's going to be. Yeah, I just don't know how it's going to play out. Like we haven't seen too many things that take a weird stance on Netflix, but i um, curious to see what happens
0: here. Yep, that's a good point. Uh, but that's pretty much all my notes. Sweet. I like the notes. I liked your top five. Good coverage. So before we move on, let's get a, a word from our second sponsor. Oh, so, Rima, you,
2: do you enjoy when, like, your pants don't fall down, like they, they stay where you have them?
0: I do enjoy when my pants stay where they're supposed to.
2: I mean, there's nothing worse than, like, you're reaching up to clean the gutter and all of a sudden <laughs> your pants fall down and, you know, you're showing your your neighbors your stranger things underwear and they <laughs> laugh and giggle. And they go to that, you know, that uh, meeting of, you know, the, the homeowners association. They're like, you know, mm. we really need to buy Sean a belt, like... I'm yes. tired of seeing the different types of Stranger Things underwear that he has. Well, Rima, <laughs> to get you a custom belt, you need to go to Lox Leatherworks. So these are custom hand-built uh, leather items. They don't only have belts. They have all types of things. And if you go to www.etsy.com slash shop slash Lox Leatherworks, it'll also be in our show notes. You can get all types of leather items. And if you use the promo code provided for us, which is STRANGE2018, so that's str a N G E two zero one eight. You'll get five dollars anything you buy. And if there's something on there, you're like, Oh, you, know, you don't have exactly what I want, go ahead and email your custom orders to D at com. That's D L O U C K S at com. Again, all that information will be in our show notes, so check it out and uh, use the promo code STRANGE twenty eighteen to let them know we sent you that way
0: sweet i love handmade stuff i love hand craftsmanship i love the the uniqueness because you know you're getting you know a unique piece of work and i love that i think It's, it's it's special
2: not mass produced it's going to be higher quality and you're going to get that here
0: yeah i love that thanks that's awesome Okay. So now we're going to move into the news piece. Got a couple news items. I'll jump in with this first one. This one's from denofgeek.com. This was just a little piece of an interview I took um, out that they had with Mina Sundwall. She's the uh, the actress that plays Penny. Um, She says something that is so important to remember is that these are people that are colonizing and they're not necessarily explorers, she says. Penny takes the entire mission on a very different note. She is the one non-science person in a science family. She's interested in literature and philosophy, and she takes on more of this rediscovering and perseverance of humanity. And when you are into language and when you are into speaking and reading and writing on a colonized mission, what do you become? You become the head of communications, and that's what she is. I like that because I think we were kind of questioning a little bit her role mm-hmm. and exactly because she didn't seem quite as, sci- I'm flubbing my words, but sciencey as the rest of the family. So it was kind of interesting to see exactly what she does. We did see that a little bit here in this episode when uh, Maureen was like, you know, go on the radio as soon as we get out here, I you're on the radio. Um, but I thought that was interesting and I, I like her. She's got a lot of interesting things to say.
2: Nice. Uh, So our next uh, article comes from Variety. So an interview with Noah Schnapp, Millie Bobby Brown, and EP Sean Levy. So season one I feel like was more playful, Schnapp said. Season two was a lot darker, and then season three does a really well blending them together, and that's what I love about it. It's a beautiful storyline for Eleven this season, Bobby – or Brown told Variety on the carpet. It's really a coming of age of her and understanding what being a normal teenage girl is. I found another side of my acting that I didn't know about, Brown said during the panel. I found techniques on how to cry and how to get angry and learned so much from Eleven. From those episodes of being isolated that when I'm back season three, things happen. Stranger things happen. (laughs) I'm just saying I use the style of acting now in my method of acting for season three. While on a tangent in which the cast speculated about the show's widespread popularity, Levy summed up the appeal of the series in the words of former President Barack Obama, who proclaimed himself a fan when the Stranger Things crew visited the White House in 2016. President Obama said, I really like how you guys all have each other's backs. I like how no matter what's happening on that show, you're all there for each other, Levy recalled.
0: Yeah. It's fun to see some Stranger Things stuff popping up, getting us all geared up for season yeah. three.
2: Oh, um, I'm pumped for it. I hope, it, I know. I hope it's like... It's like Halloween 2018, Stranger Things.
0: I think they said this year it was going to be 1985 in this show. And I'm so excited. I feel like 1985 was yesterday. (laughs) No comments about the age, folks. Um, Next item is from SciFiWire.com. So while speaking to James Cameron for Cameron's six-part docu-series on AMC about the story of science fiction, good show, by the way, if you're not already watching it, um, Steven Spielberg expounded on what makes Stranger Things such a great piece of nostalgic television. Stranger Things is pure science fiction, he says. It touches on a lot of the movies that you and I and others have made, but it does it brilliantly. It's a brilliant amalgam of genres but all having to do with one thing you love those kids and you don't want anything bad to happen to them stranger things for all its brilliant imaginings is about those characters oh what an amazing thing that mm, like steven that. spielberg who's such, who who is such a huge inspiration for stranger things and so much of what he did in the 80s that provides inspiration for that show for him to say um in return uh, for that show so i thought that was pretty awesome um, have you seen any, just side note, uh, the story of science fiction with james cameron on amc have you caught any of that i
2: have not is it pretty good so you said it's really
1: good
0: i've caught at least one episode i, I need to catch up because i feel like i'm so behind on so many other things but i really enjoyed what i've seen and i mean he interviews some amazing folks and if you're a fan of science fiction i definitely recommend that you check out that show just side note we're not um not pimping it for i mean i don't work for amc but i love james cameron um and i love all the folks that he that he interviews it's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, my uh, my TV viewing has kind of fallen into, uh, I, with everything else, I'm super busy, but mm-hmm. I've fallen into watching wrestling again. Uh, <gasps> watching Smackdown, not,
0: like, Sean. <laughs>
2: not current wrestling. I went back and I'm starting at like 1993 wrestling, oh, and I'm watching rock. up through that. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm excited to get to like the era when I was a kid watching it. I've, I've told probably too many people about this, and again, now I'm putting it on the internet, but... Uh, it's It brings me back to being a kid, like watching all that stuff. Like my wife comes in. It's like, what the hell are we watching? I'm like, I know it's great, isn't it?
0: Oh, my gosh. Going back, watching old wrestling. Oh, I don't yeah. blame you, man. It's it, it was good back in the day.
2: It's just like. Like, no thinking, dumb fun. Like, the bad guy's the bad guy. The good guy's the good guy. And at some point, they switch parts, and you're like, I don't care. It's amazing. I don't
0: care. Yelling insults at each other. They're really horrible insults and bad scripting.
2: (laughs) Oh, I love it. So good.
0: That's awesome. Okay, so the next Piece we have our messages from the resolute and this is our listener feedback section sean why don't you take this one
2: all right so this comes from steve brown so great episode it reminded me of the empire strikes back when the falcon was in the asteroid love that we have a flawed family to follow three dr smith talking about self-preservation of will and we see how it is true for her explaining what she has done and is doing two john is pretty badass i can't stand something pulling me down from below She manages to convince Maureen about why she does not not know much. Uh, Number one, Penny. Loved her one-liners and her character is becoming my favorite.
0: Mine too. Lots of great characters. So that's it for the feedback this week. Thank you, everyone, for chiming in and uh, leaving us a little piece of feedback and engaging with us on um, our various social media platforms. We appreciate you Um, and all that you do thanks thanks everybody
2: so next week we'll be covering the fourth episode from lost in space space titled the robinsons were here so the robinsons make contact with another family of survivors What? will races to protect his friend after judy learns what happens aboard the resolute oh
0: spoiler alert (laughs) <laughs> I can't believe they released that.
2: <laughs> yeah, it pretty much tells you what happened.
0: I know, it's kind of usually they're pretty generic in their descriptions but that kind of tells you. Well, you knew it was going to come out, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> we all kind of know that's not really a shocker. Uh well, we are really excited for you to join us on Jupiter 2 while traveling through space and please follow us on Twitter at strangetcast. You
2: can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. And you can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod.
0: You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app.
2: And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like The Walking Dead cast at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed and all the other great podcastica podcasts on Apple Podcast.
0: And speaking of great podcasts, make sure you check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance, that comes out yeah. every Sunday.
2: This Sunday, we talk about the great American race, which is a horse race. Mm. But there's a surprise entry into this race.
0: Hmm. Uh Uh-oh. Well, I I hope it's not related to this last one that you did about (laughs) (laughs) robots. (laughs) With robots. That's that's all I'm saying. (laughs)
2: That's a very fitting episode for Lost in Space. So there's this whole thing of people being very attracted Twitter it, Google it, of this robot yes. lost in space. In our last episode of Language of Bromance, we talk about some uh um some robots.
0: Some robots. See, that's, yeah, let's just leave it at see. that <laughs> and let people just go look it up for themselves. I thought that was hilarious because I saw what you tweeted out about your episode of language, your last episode of Language of Romance, and then I was tweeting or retweeting, sorry, <laughs> about the from Netflix and the robot here from Lost in Space. Just go out and follow us, folks, because we have so much fun on social media, and um, you just need to go see for yourselves what we're talking about. So while you're checking out Language of Bromance and other great podcasts on uh podcastica i'm gonna give a little shout out to the podcast i do with jason who hosts uh, the walking dead cast on podcastica we do a podcast about legion if you're not watching legion on fx you need to do so because it is so amazing and mind-blowing i mean holy shit talk about questioning what the hell reality is um check it out folks and that is also on podcastica comes out every week so awesome yeah check us out
2: all right well that's our episode all right well that's our show episode 38 infestation
0: until next time i'm Rima. and i'm sean um and erica land is strange indeed
1: Did you really think we wouldn't find you do you think you're the first person who thought they could fake their way into a new life june harris quite a career Breaking and entering, possession of stolen goods, identity theft. Now it seems you've graduated to the big time. We have you on camera, taking that man's life. I was defending myself. It wasn't my fault. You don't actually believe that, do you? Well, Miss Harris, I have some good news. And some bad news. The good news, we haven't set up a system of justice yet. No courts, no jail. Bad news, we haven't set up a system of justice yet, which means I can do whatever the hell I want to you.